0: The word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message.
1: Heather and I are going to uh, talk to you today about using our imaginations. Now... Um, and Heather came up with the title. Um, and uh Being Imagineers and if you if you're a big Disney fan, that word already you, you know kind of resonates with you. So um uh but she'll talk about that in a in a in a little while. And uh now I know that uh we're gonna try and take our time. Sometimes we get up here and we get going I know it doesn't seem like it because of how slowly I pronounce my words, but sometimes we get in a big hurry and talk too fast. And uh, we're trying to, we want to make sure we say everything deliberately. Uh, deliberately and as clearly as we can, because when you start talking about things like imagination in church, it makes people nervous. Uh, and, and when you start talking about meditation in church, it makes people nervous, because we'll talk about meditating on the scriptures, but something about if you take the E off the end and add an I-O-N, it makes people really nervous, even though it all comes from the same same word. So... We want to go ahead and say as we get started here, we're not talking about any kind of new age religion. Not at all. We're not talking about any kind of any kind of crazy uh, religious thing. What we're, we're talking about is, you know, God gave us an imagination. It's there for a purpose. You're using it every day, whether you know it or not. So what we're talking about is using our imaginations the way that God intended for us to use them. And so we just want to basically, that's the main focus of the message and, and just want you to, to think about that and uh, give you things to think about all week long and also to just examine yourself and how how is your, are you using your imagination to partner with God or are you partnering with someone else? Mm-hmm.
2: And imagination leads to dreaming and we all know that God wants us to dream with him. I mean, Aaron and I, we've, we've gone on, you know, what we call dream walks before. Where we'll walk through the yard and we'll just be like, well what What would you like to happen with this? And then we just kind of speak that out loud. and and it's it's amazing how encouraging just dreaming with the Lord can be. Um and we've we talk about our imagination, we talk about renewing our minds. Um, that's kind of a topic that Aaron and I talk about often in our personal lives because it's so powerful. And then whenever you think about something like that, you start seeing references to it everywhere about your imagination and using your imagination. So it started us to really be thinking about that very deliberately, about the power of the imagination and how in turn, we all, we us included, we need to create new thought processes. We're all thinking something. We're all, like Aaron said, partnering with something in our imagination. But now is the time to to recognize that and see what we're partnering with and make those kind of new thought processes. And this is kind of a new idea, talking about imagination. Um, but just like with all new things and all new thought patterns, making something like that take root, it can take some time. But this is just to show us all it's something that's very important. It's, it's kind of one of those... Um, original things that we need to get in line so that that way the Lord can partner with us how he chooses to. In Ephesians 3, 20 through 21, it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. So actually it was just verse 20. Um, so we do we put a lot of emphasis in the church on him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly all above all we can ask but oftentimes we leave out the or think part, right? Um, Because thoughts aren't something we can really quantify, but he put that on purpose there for a reason. And you see imagination as sons and daughters, that's our birthright. That's one of the things that he gives us as tools, um, and they can be very powerful when being partnered with Holy Spirit and having a creative instinct When we imagine in our thought life, it's an instinct that was put in us by our Father. And we look just like him when we use the power of our thoughts and our words to create and imagine. So um, Aaron alluded to it a little bit on the title about Imagineers. So anybody who's known me in any degree of time probably knows I love Disney. And the family Disney, not the crazy Disney. We're we're not talking about the crazy Disney this morning. Um, But... But we love Disney. That's just something, you know, my family, that so many, like I told Tommy before service, so many memories were made at Disney World. It's just, it's just a wonderful place to me. And so one of the things that Disney does is that they call their creative specialists, the people who sit around and have those ideas, those uh, imagination run wild people, they call them their imagineers. And that just means imagination engineer. I mean, actually people get paid to sit around and use their imagination. It's pretty incredible. And Disney thrives at its core on creating new experiences and imagining things out of the box. And I mean, kind of a, like a side note to that. Why should the world have and, 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 and profit from something that we as sons and daughters were created to do? I mean, it's like the world seems to find joy in using their imagination to do whatever they want but we are supposed to be the abundantly beyond children, sons and daughters. So that just kind of like a a little side note, imagination is powerful and we should be the ones who are teaching them how to do it right. So um, the Imagineers have key points that they use as their foundation and the first and last mandate that they have is to know your audience. And you see, as sons and daughters, and we're going to keep saying that because that's who we are, but as sons and daughters, our audience is always God. Always. And when we partner with him, we know his thoughts are not our thoughts. Oftentimes, the things that, that he's thinking and saying, they would blow our minds. And so sometimes, like I told Aaron, that's why our imagination is important. But his ways aren't our ways. And that's where that imagination kicks in to partner with him to see what heaven is seeing. And so one of the examples I feel like helped me understand this was as a singer. So you have what's called chest tone and head tone as you sing. Um, and the goal is to kind of train yourself to where you can seamlessly flow from one to the other. And, and that takes time. And it just takes um, using those techniques. And if you use the proper technique, it's easier to do. And it's more pleasing to people as they hear it. And so that is something that, that we need to be doing in our imagination is, is starting with this and then seeing him seamlessly flow in and out um, to accomplish what heaven is looking for. And that happens in worship. And you do this in worship, whether you, believe, whether you realize it or not. But when we sing a song like Reckless Love, and it says, no shadow you won't light up, no mountain you won't climb up, especially those ones that use some, some words that help you imagine it, you're kind of seeing it in your mind. If you're really, you know, if you're engaging in worship, you're seeing that in your mind. And oftentimes that happens to me personally, where I'll start seeing him and imagining him. But in that moment, my imagination moves to what Holy Spirit's doing. In that moment and I'm and I'm seeing what he wants to do in the spirit and and sometimes that happens to you in worship probably and then you so he lays someone on your heart that you need to intercede for in that powerful moment of worship that's what happens when we're moving seamlessly from our imagination as sons and daughters that's powerful to partnering with Holy Spirit to see what he is seeing in the atmosphere before we actually see it in the physical does that make sense um, so partnering with Holy Spirit in our imagination is huge. And another key point that Imagineers have to focus on is to keep it up and not become complacent. And it's easy to become comfortable, and it's easy to be complacent. But complacency is not our inheritance of sons and daughters. There is beauty in our relationship with him, but there's also responsibility to do what he wants to do on this earth. We have to keep pushing. And we cannot allow what we've only experienced right now and what we've seen physically to keep and become our vantage point from where we see God and what we see him capable of. I don't want to worship a God like that. I don't want to worship a God that is just held captive by only my own experiences. Because then, I mean, it's like I've told Aaron before, we think we're putting God in a box. He can't be put in a box, right? He's looking at us trying to create our little boxes of complacency and comfortability and, and thinking, there's just so much more for you than that. The God that we serve is greater than anything. He's greater than our minds. He's greater than our hearts. He's greater than our current experiences. He can do what he pleases, but what he pleases to do is amazing because what pleasures him the most as our Father is partnering with us to see what He wills to come to pass.
1: So we were created in the image of God, and since He's a creator, that means we can create. Now, not on the same level as God, but we've been given the ability to, to create. And actually, if you think about it, it could be that our ability um, to imagine and to create is what separates us from the angels. I mean, there's other things too, of course, but you know, that, that's something that we have, that's special that's been given to us. And we cannot create what we can't imagine. Every amazing invention, every amazing creation, it started as an idea first. It started in the mind. Now, unfortunately, what most people fail to realize, this thing keeps dropping on me, is that sin operates the same way. Every sinful act that's ever been done started right here. They thought about it. They dwelled on it. And so it, it, you're going to create one way or another. You're going to use that imagination. And so <laughs> didn't realize I did that, that, that quite so high. I <laughs> cover my face. Um, but, but our imagination is, is important, and we need to be using it properly. And so I'm going to actually read um, the scripture for this message. And this is uh, from Ephesians chapter 1 and i'm going to read verse uh, verse 15 through 21 but uh the verse we're focusing on here today is actually verse 18. it says because of this since i first heard about your strong faith in the lord jesus christ and your tender love toward all his devoted ones my heart is always full and overflowing with thanks to god for you as i constantly remember you in my prayers i pray that the father of glory The God of our Lord Jesus Christ would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us, his holy ones. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted Him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. And now He is exalted as first above every ruler, authority, government, and realm of power in existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age that is coming. And so verse 18 again, I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination. So here in this verse, if you read that in the King James or the New King James Version, it says that the eyes of your understanding will be uh, enlightened, the eyes of your understanding. And if you read it in the NIV, it says the eyes of your heart. So heart and imagination, uh, understanding are all kind of interchangeable here in this in this verse. And so this stuff is so important that Paul says, starting in verse 15, that he's constantly praying this for them. This is what he's praying for. He Paul was praying for them every day, constantly in his prayers, that they would be imparted with the with the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation through an intimacy with God. He was praying that the light of God would illuminate the eyes of their imagination. So if Paul was constantly praying that for them back then, wouldn't we think that it's still important for us today? That the light of God would would illuminate the eyes of our imagination? It's important. Just just look at why Paul prayed this. Um, Finishing 18, I think a little bit 19, it says that, so that we would experience the full revelation of the hope of His calling. Everybody in here is probably after that. I wish I just knew what God wanted me to do about this or what God had for me. All these different questions that we have. And so he's saying that this is how so we can experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. And people in church are always talking about more. They're always talking about wanting more. We uh, preach about wanting more, wanting to experience more. We pray to experience more. Probably every one of us in here has in some way asked God for more. Uh, in our in our prayer time, well, if we really want more of God and more things to experience more things with God, then we need to start daydreaming with God in a, in a sense. Right. Uh, we need to start using our imagination the way it was meant to be. We need to stop letting uh, our problems dominate the focus of our imagination and our thought lives. We need to uh, start letting God and and the hope of His calling and the power that raised Jesus from the dead be that light inside of us that makes things come alive and we start to, to see things in our imagination and then we'll see them in, in reality. If we do that, we will experience the more that, that, that we're after. Yeah. Um, I've read several, well, more than several, I've read a lot of Kenneth Hagin's books. Um, and uh, I know some people love him to death and some people don't care much for him, it, but that's how it's going to be with anybody you ever ever you, you ever read. <laughs> But um, and I'm gonna try to do justice to his testimony a little bit. But if you, it's in several of his books. But he was born with a heart condition and a rare blood disorder, and so he was pretty much sick the whole time growing up. And uh, I think it was about age 15 he went to a sick bed in the hospital, and they didn't know what to do with him. And so he's just there and wasting away. Basically, his mom and his brother coming to check on him and stuff, and. And uh, I think he had been in the hospital like six months, and uh, he got a hold of a Bible. And so he starts reading the Bible every day, and he starts, uh, I mean, a lot every day, and he starts saying what he's reading. So he's talking about being healed, he's talking about God's power, he's talking about all this stuff, to the point, now he's not getting any better, he's just talking about it. Sounds like us church people with a lot of things, doesn't it? So he's talking about it, and... To the point that the doctors talk to his mom and they say that they think he's reading the Bible too much. And so they have a conversation with, uh, I guess we'll call him Little Kenny. They have a conversation (laughs) with Little Kenny there and say, we think you need to quit reading that book so much. But he he doesn't. And so now it goes on, it's been a year. And so he's either 16 or about to turn 16. He's still in this uh, sick bed, which has now basically become a deathbed. And they're saying, there's nothing we can do for him. We don't. There's, there's nothing that... And he doesn't understand it. And so he's praying and he's asking God. He's like, God, I don't, I don't get it. I'm reading this Bible apparently too much. The doctors are telling me to stop. Uh, I'm saying what's in there. I'm declaring all this stuff. I, I've, I've changed my declaration. I've changed all these different things, but I'm still not well. I don't know what's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Maybe some of you have been in that same position. And he says that all of a sudden this thought came to him and he realized that even though he had changed what he was feeding his spirit man he had changed what was coming out of his mouth that ever since they'd first put him in the hospital he actually realized that every single day he had been in that bed he had actually imagined what it was going to be like when he died and he he realized he had spent a lot of time thinking about how upset his mom would be when she walked in the room and saw his lifeless body how, how angry his brother would be to lose his little brother, who would be at the funeral, who wouldn't be at the funeral. He's thinking about all of this. And he realized that even though he was professing healing with his mouth, he was trying to take in healing from what he read in the Bible, that in the deep parts of his thought life, all he was thinking about was death. And so he made it from that moment on, he said, I'm not going to think about a funeral again. Anytime the thought would come, instead of entertaining it, he would immediately pull it down and and replace it with thinking about him getting out of the bed. Well, in four months, he did. Four months, he was out of the hospital. Doctors didn't know why because they couldn't say they didn't do anything. Nothing changed except the way he was allowing Holy Spirit to partner with his imagination instead of the the thoughts of the enemy, which are to steal, kill and destroy. And so uh, not long after that, they even declared him healed. And for those of you that are, do, uh, are Kenneth Hagin fans, you know he lived to be 86 years old and was never supposed to make it out of the hospital at 15 years old. And all that happened was he changed what he was imagining. Right. See, our imagination is powerful, and it will impact our lives. It's going to be used, the question to you, for you, is it going to be for good or is it going to be for bad? Is it going to partner with the Father or is it going to par- partner with the desires of the enemy?
2: And so here are some examples of what the Bible tells us to think about and to not think about. Um, You may all probably be somewhat familiar with Philippians 4, 8, that says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate is that word again, on these things. And then in Matthew six twenty five, these are the things that the Bible says to not think about and to not worry about. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So let's Take a moment and think about both of these verses. The first set of scripture is talking about the good things to meditate on, the good things to think about. And then the second set of, of scripture is talking about the things not to worry about, not to think about. Which set of scriptures, honestly, are we incorporating in our individual lives? I mean, let's let's be honest and think about that. I mean, and it's like I told Aaron last night when we were going over the message— I may find no difficulty at all partnering with Holy Spirit in my imagination for this thing, but then I find difficulty in this thing. This is the thing that hopeless, hopelessness seems to resonate more with me than this thing. But it says whatsoever things. It's, it's not allowing us to just pick and choose what we worry or we don't worry about. And, and one thing I do know about God is that he's he's the best steward of all things. So if in his scripture he's being deliberate about telling us what to think about and what not to think about, there's a reason. And it's for our good. Because good or bad, the truth is you can only imagine something for so long until you produce it. It's like Aaron, he, he always says this, and it's so good, there's so much wisdom in it, but it, he talks about sin consciousness and if you start just focusing so much on sin and not sinning and not all these things, you, often, you will become what you behold. And if all you behold is the sin, you will do the very thing that you have been trying not to do. That's the thing in our imagination, what we partner with. If we focus on the good and the lovely and the things of good report, we do become what we behold. And Jesus himself knows how powerful the thoughts that we have are. And A.W. Tozer even said to make your thoughts a sanctuary that God can inhabit. So which of those thoughts in those scriptures do you think God is more likely to inhabit?
1: Yeah, Heather, when she was reading me the quote from Tozer, um, I guess earlier in the week, she was talking about that, that how we talk about how God inhabits the praises of his people. And it's true. He does. But then and so we're so quick to make sure that we're going when we come to church, I'm going to praise God. You know, we're we're whether in whatever way that you worship your, you know, if you're vocal or if it's a, if it's just lifting your hands or if it, we do all these things to praise God because we want his presence and he inhabits the praises of his people. But then when it comes to what we're thinking and meditating and using our imagination on what what place are we setting up for him to dwell when it, is it is it a place that he truly would dwell or is it a place full of worry and lack and doubt? And so, uh, Jesus um, in Matthew five twenty-seven 27 through 28, if Heather will read it for me, this shows us just how powerful our imagination is. It
2: says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart.
1: Now, this is a powerful scripture because. Uh, we know that the old covenant, you, not, thou shall not commit adultery. And Here, Jesus is flipping that whole thing around and showing us the power of imagination by saying, if you even think about it. Now, you just don't just not do it. You shouldn't even think about it. And that's telling us how powerful our thought life is. Yeah. That just thinking about it, if you lust for her, then you've already committed this sinful act. And so the good news here is that if it can be this powerful for something bad, it can also be just as powerful for something good. If it can be that damaging when we use it the wrong way, it can be that empowering when we use it the way that we were, we were meant to. Okay. And this all goes back to, to the renewed mind. Uh, several years ago, I was uh, riding with a, a buddy of mine. Uh, he had asked me to go help him with a job, and um, so he's a, fel- he's a fellow exterminator. And so we're riding together, and uh, I don't know how, I cannot remember how he brought it up, but he brought up thought life and about our actions and being influenced by things. It was really strange for him to bring this up, so I guess maybe I was just meant to go work with him that day. And uh, he said, you know, he was talking about, you know, us being guys, I really like to play jokes on people and... uh, uh, Believe it or not, I like to talk a lot of trash to people, and I've got really thick skin, so it takes a lot to hurt my feelings, so I enjoy it. And uh, it's probably not a good quality to, it's a good quality as a a preacher to have thick skin, but maybe not a good quality to also have a big mouth to go with it. So uh, um, he said, you know, we're just guys, we just like doing stuff like that. And I said, yeah, but what if we didn't do it? Oh, no, we just are the way that we are. Now, that's the famous church saying of all church people. Yeah. Well, I just, how I am. You know, the person who's always saying bad stuff. Well, I'm just honest. I just tell it like it is. So, anyways, I, I, he, I, said, he said, well, I, I said, he said, well, I don't understand what you're talking about. I said, well, we've got this mutual friend, and maybe you're like this guy, or maybe you, we all know somebody like this guy. He doesn't like his birth name. He likes a nickname version of his birth name, and he doesn't ever want to be called by his birth name. So, of course, we call him by his birth name all the time. <laughs> and uh, I was like, you've known him since y'all were like seven years old. I've only known him since we were adults. I said, but have you ever noticed, because uh, you know, we've done it a bunch of times, how you know, when it's just us around and you'll call him by that name. And you can just see his face turn red. He gets upset. He's really, it's so fun to pick on this guy because he just, he reacts. That's what people like me look for, reactions. When we get a reactor, it's really hard to turn it off. And so, uh, and, and of course, I said, as soon as he gets upset that we called him by that name, instead of apologizing, you know what we do, what are you getting so sensitive for? Oh, he's sensitive, is he? And we just go, right, we just... It just opens the floodgates on him. We're just letting him have it. And he is starting to laugh, and his eyes are getting a little glazy like he might even tear up just thinking of how much fun we have picking on this guy we're riding down the road. And I tell him, I was like, look at your face right now. Like this evil grin on your face just thinking. He's not even in the truck, and you're just thinking about it. He's like, I know, but it's just so much fun. It's just so easy. I said, that's the problem. I said, now... You think of that mean thing, you know, even though you know you're not gonna destroy the person, but you know it's gonna kinda of hurt their feelings, but it's gonna be funny enough for you to get away with it, and I'm really bad for this. So you say it, you just let it flow. Boom, whatever it is, Talmudge, I see you looking at me. <laughs> so you just let it, you just let it go. But I said, what if you had the thought that the next time you saw him, you were gonna give him twenty dollars? I said, or hundred dollars. Or you were just going to say, hey, let me go buy your lunch. And he's kind of looking now. I said, I can almost promise you that if you had the thought to do something nice for him, you would immediately think of five reasons not to do it. You immediately said, no, I better not give him that. He might think I'm insinuating this. I don't need to give him that. He'll think I'm crazy. I better not do that. I said, but the mean thing you did, nothing. There's no filter. Just boom, you do it. The nice thing five reasons not to do it. And it's difficult to actually do something that would make him feel encouraged and good about himself. I said, why is that? Oh, that's just how we are, man. We're guys. We like to talk junk. We like to, I said, but what if we weren't that way? I said, I believe we're influenced by everything that we do. And I said, no, get it. Now, let me just go ahead and say, this is really hard for me because you, and I'm telling him this I said, you know how I love to pick on people. And uh, I said, so I'm talking to myself. I said, but something's in, what's influencing that bad thought that makes it so easy and what's influencing against the good thought that makes it so hard. I said, what if we flip that around? What if we started acting immediately that we, the time we had the thought to do something nice from someone and got it to the point that we were always doing the nice thing. And when the mean thing popped in our head, five reasons not to do it came and kept us from opening our mouths. I said, what would it be like then? And all the women say amen yeah. to, the, <laughs> to the husbands. She asked, how's that working for me? I'm still working on it. And I'm a work in progress. Improved a lot. But I have really, really have improved a lot. Yes. I had uh, I had a person I went to uh, high school with, and I didn't hardly talk to anybody in high school. I was very quiet except for in a few classes. And uh, like 20... That had been about 15 to 20 years later, they saw me and told me what a jerk I was in high school. And uh, I don't remember talking to them. But apparently I said something that hurt her feelings, and uh, she's never forgiven me. And I don't know, I don't know what, it, what it was, but, you know, things like it's the same thing. It's just so easy to do it. And see, that all goes back to the renewed mind. When we start renewing our minds we will begin to see just how amazing God is and how he wants to partner with us. So we've got it set up in our minds that, oh, that's just not how I am. I'm like this. God partners with people who are like that. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you're meant to be like that. You just need to start renewing your mind to the place where you can be, where God, he, he's speaking to you. He wants to partner with you. He's giving you those good suggestions all the time. You just have the, the filter over here and got it off to do the bad stuff. We got to change that around. And we probably all know the verse where it talks about that he's the vine and we're the branches. And uh, I'm trying to think if I've ever, I know I've preached on that verse, but I don't know if I made the point or not. But we've all, we've probably all heard messages on the point that um, how the branches can't survive without the vine. And it's true. We know that. We have to stay plugged into the vine. We have to stay attached to the vine. But I want to give you another thought on that verse to, to just show you how much God does want to partner with you. Each and every one of you. And and it's 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 the simple fact that, yes, um, if we don't stay plugged into the vine, the branches can't survive without the vine, but the branches are where the fruit's produced. And God made it that way. That's not our choice. We didn't decide that. He decided that. He's the one who made it this way. He made it that without the branches, the vine doesn't produce fruit. That's how important you are to Him yeah. because He... I don't know if you know this or not. He wants to do big things too. And he wants to do them through us. He chose to do it that way. You're important to him. He made it this way because he wants to partner with us and do great things for the kingdom. And it really is time for us to start using our imaginations the right way. And, and not only to start, not only so that we, we start seeing the impossible as possible, but it's time for us to start seeing the impossible as logical. Yeah. It's time for it to just to be the, 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 way, that, the way that it is.
2: That's good. Um, so I've told this before, but I had a different thought about it whenever we were going over this message. Um, but Dr. Caroline Leaf, she's written a lot of books about the brain and about processes in the brain and has done you know multiple studies. She's an, a highly intelligent woman about the way that the brain functions and then what it produces in the body. And um, one specific study that she had done... She cataloged different people and had them think about a traumatic instance that had happened in their lives, and they said that whenever they thought about that instance or that specific situation or what have you, that their bodies, it actually felt like they were going through that traumatic event all over again, and... I mean, and that was repetitive through all of these people. It was like, and she was able to actually see what was happening in the brain and the things, the synapses that were going off. It was as if a traumatic event was happening just by them thinking about it. Um, you know, and if you're anything like me, um, when something happens to me, I want to tell people the bad thing that's <laughs> happened to me. So they feel bad for me. And, um, you know, so, but it's like every time you tell about it and you talk about it, it happens to you all over again. That's how we were made. So the thing that I thought about it, what if we reversed that? Um, What if our body's response to us thinking something good that maybe hasn't happened yet, but thinking, like let's just say, for example, because this is heavy on my heart, but me thinking about someone that I love coming back to the Lord and worshiping in this altar with me, my body produces the feeling as if it's already happened. What if that's true? Um, because if something can happen in one way, then it should be able to happen in the other. And we were made. I mean, that's, maybe that's what it really boils down to, is that because we have that creative instinct from our Father... He real he he has shown us what the power is in our thought life, but we are just so reactionary to what's going on. Instead of actually realizing what I think, what I imagine can create. I don't have to live in a responsive mindset.
1: So sorry. Yeah, with that thought, you know have you heard well, I have probably even said it in a message. But you know, people talk about that we don't fight for victory, that we fight from victory. Have you all heard that saying before? And when Heather was telling me about that, that thought, because we've, we've talked about that. I think it's Who Switched Off My Brain is the name of the book. We've talked about that book for years to each other when something uh, happens or we, we preach on something like this. Um, but I started thinking about how then that's what it means when we can experience the victory before the victory, so we that's the the when the people used to talk about it as far as reference to about praying through, you're praying through. Nothing's changed yet in the situation, but they say, "Oh, I've prayed. Do I prayed through on that?" They prayed to they experienced the victory before the victory. What their thought their thought lost that life had changed as they were praying. They got instead of having defeated, focused on what was going bad. They cut to a place of victory before they actually walked in the victory and they knew that it was handled. They knew that that it was done. And it seems like we've kind of lost that in the church in in a sense. And like I said, we're good at proclaiming and declaring a lot of stuff because that's a hot topic now. We do declarations every, every week, and a lot of churches do. But what are we really believing for? Are we really experiencing the victory before we walk through that victory? Or are we claiming the victory while we're walking around defeated? It doesn't really doesn't... Does it make sense?
2: Um, This is in Mark 11, verse 24. This is the reason I urge you to boldly believe for whatever you ask for in prayer. Believe that you have received it, and it will be yours.
1: Yeah, when we go to the Lord in prayer, we're supposed to believe that we already received it. How many times do we actually do that? Mm -hmm. Most of the time, we're just so preoccupied with telling God everything that's wrong, we forget how to approach Him in 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 our daily prayer. We have to we have to start experiencing the victory before we walk in the victory because it's already done. He, we are fighting from victory. He already has taken care of that for us. But are we are we walking in it? I started thinking about even the way I approach prayer and praying for people. And it's so easy. So let's just say I'll just I'll just to make it quicker. I'll just use an example. Someone that wants me to pray for them to be healed of cancer. Everybody in here hates cancer. I know God's power to heal cancer. I've seen people that have been healed from cancer. My mom has been healed from cancer. Uh, My grandfather was healed from uh, cancer. Different things. I've just seen all kinds of stuff. But at the same time, my aunt died from cancer. My grandma died from cancer at 62 years old. My aunt died at 42 years old of cancer. My uncle had cancer in his early 30s. My cousin died at seven years old of cancer. And all of you got similar stories of people you know uh, and people you love. Now, if I'm not careful when the person comes up, they're coming up because they want me to pray for what? They don't want me to pray for cancer. They want me to pray for healing. That's exactly right. But what do I end up spending most of my time praying for? Cancer I'm praying. I'm rebuking cancer. I'm talking about cancer and the whole time I'm praying for cancer and I'm saying God I declare healing over their body I declare cancer to be gone I curse cancer and I'll keep cursing cancer when I pray for people It's not as much as what I'm saying is what's going on in my mind But as I'm doing that if I'm not careful, I start thinking about all the people I know that are dead and gone I start thinking about how man they look worse than so-and-so did, and, and they only live six months. And some of you, you're looking at me, but you've done the same thing when you've gone to pray for people. You've had these thoughts, whether, whatever the disease or sickness is, and you're, you're praying for them to be healed, But something, and you're believing in faith, but still something there, your focus as you're praying is you're actually focusing on the wrong thing. And so the Bible says whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven, but sometimes we spend too much time binding. It also says whatever we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Yeah. And so what, what we want to do, we want to we're going to lead you in this prayer so you can go ahead and get, and get a head start before Heather starts. but I want you to think about whatever it is you've been praying for, whatever it is you've been believing for, it can be lost loved ones, it can be sickness, it can be, um, it can be financial issues, it can be um, mental issues, it can, anything. Anything that's on your heart is on his heart. So, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But we're going to pray, and we're going to pray in a way that we begin to partner with God. Yeah. Not what the problem is. We're still going to pray for the need, but we're going to approach this in a different avenue. We're not going to pray. Uh, we're we're going if to, you're, if you're in here and you're battling something and it's terminal, we're not going to just pray. Oh, let them be healed from this. Don't let them lose their life. We're going to pray, God, we thank you for long life. We thank you that they're going to see their children get married. They're going to see their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren. Lord, We thank you that they're... if you're struggling in finances, we're not going to pray, God, this bill's due. It's six months past due, and we need—no, we're going to pray, God, we're just thanking you for an abundance in their checking account. We thank you that finances are going to become easy, Lord, not just coming in, that we're, they're going to be a good steward of the finances you bless them with, and they'll begin to bless others. Whatever it is, you kind of get get the point. And so we were, we were thinking about this, and, and, and I really was feeling convicted about so many times that I, I realized I had been praying— and my focus wasn't really on the father. It was on the problem. Right. And the other day when we started talking about this message, it, it was, it, do you ever get ready to go to bed and you just can't, your mind won't stop? And you're just thinking, man, I just wish my <laughs> mind would stop so I could go to sleep. Yeah. Well, we were talking about all this and we went to, when we went to bed, my mind wouldn't stop. But the difference was, as I was thinking about things with the Lord. And instead of having that thought, I wish my mind would stop so I could go to sleep. All I kept thinking is, man, I hope I don't fall asleep while I'm thinking about this. Oh, wow. Wouldn't that be a what much better way to go to bed at night? Oh, I'm spitting, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you know, you're preaching, man. But, uh, <laughs> at least it didn't hit you. But, you know, and then I began to think, as Heather and I, we, we talked about it, I don't remember when we started talking about this this week, but it, we were talking about it a couple nights later. And and I, I started, th- I was telling her, I was like, this message is just weird, though. People are going to think it's strange. It is strange. And so I, I began to think about Jesus. And I started thinking about the way he prayed for people. Man, you know, you we don't know specifics about things that he said or didn't say, but I began to think about all the times he just touched someone's ear and said, be open. Mm-hmm. And even a dead man, he just said, come forth. And... He just took Peter's mother-in-law by the hand. And I started thinking, is, is that the way that could that be the way that Jesus prayed? We know that he rebuked the spirit and told it to uh, to believe and think, you know, different things that happen uh, with his modes of prayer. But really, I started thinking the only really time I remember where he was focused on the problem was when he said, Lord, if this cup can pass from me. And that was something that had to happen, but then it says that it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. So and when, when, when he got past that, he even saw beyond the cross. And so I believe that, I, I'd like to believe that when Jesus went to pray for those in need, he had compassion, he was moving compassion what he saw on them, but when he went to pray for them, he, he says he only said what the Father was saying, he did what the Father was doing. I don't think Jesus saw the Father struggling with the problem. I think he saw the Father healing. He saw the Father setting free. He saw the Father delivering. He saw all these different things that God was doing. And when he had already partnered with Holy Spirit, it was in him, he was able to just declare and pray for those things, uh, and they happened. And so, so many times our prayers... Or five minutes of binding and rebuking and talking about how bad things are, and then at the end, and they say, "And now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I just ask for them to be healed." And you just prayed for six minutes about how bad their condition is. And so we want to just take a moment, and I, and I hope that we got our point across and it made sense. But we're gonna so I just, I just ask everybody. We'll let Heather take over from here, and we're just gonna spend a few moments in prayer about because as. We could lay hands on everybody in here that has something that's going on in their life, but how much better would it be if you left here today actually partnering with the Holy Spirit with your thought life about that situation, and you left here walking in the victory, even if you haven't experienced the victory in the physical yet? And so that's what our desire is.
2: So just to read this scripture again before we start that um, in Ephesians, I pray, so this is he's declaring this over them, I pray that the light of God... Will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us. It starts with our imagination being flooded by the light of God until we experience the full revelation of hope. Okay, so close your eyes. Don't go to sleep on me. We're almost done. And just take a moment to partner with your imagination. Just, just um, whatever the, that need is that you, that you currently have. Um, because I think we probably all have something, and we may have multiple somethings. So you can take your time and partner with each one. Um, but I just think about that thing put that specific situation in your mind and imagine that situation changing we partner so often with the enemy and the voices of doubt and unbelief when we are called to partner with holy spirit and the hope of his calling the glorious riches of our inheritance in him. God, I see you and I partner with you and what you are doing in this moment. Lord, let the eyes of my heart be flooded with the light of your glory, Lord, over every situation. Lord, I see you as a father waiting for my lost loved one to come home. God, I see you. You're looking with anticipation because you know, because you can see further than I can see. You can see across oceans. And I can just see your face so excited because you see that they're hearing you as you call them, and they're coming home, because there's no distance that's too far for you. And in this situation that I have felt hopeless in, I am filled with hope as I imagine what you are doing and what you are seeing as they come home. Lord, and I can just see them all just worshiping in this altar full of hope. God, I see you healing bodies. Lord, sickness is nothing for you. God, I see you healing bodies. I know sometimes it's hard for me to have hope when I haven't seen it with my physical eyes yet. But I see, Lord, you healing those that I love completely. Lord, I know sometimes I just think about the bills. (laughs) But God, I see that there's so much for every one of us, God, that there's so much in our account as far as to meet our needs, God, that auto draft is like not something to be scared of. (laughs) Lord, that there's always more than enough for all of our needs to be met, Lord God, I know that sometimes there can be struggles with depression and anxiety. And is this ever going to change? But God, I partner with wholeness. I partner with wholeness in Jesus' name. It's amazing that if we think about the things that we're worried about, how much more worry we feel. But when we see what the Lord is seeing and do and say what he is saying and doing, our hope starts to rise. That's the glorious thing about imagination, is that we don't have to have had seen it in the physical before we imagine. So whatever that is, whatever it is that you, that you are struggling with, Lord, just, Lord, please just let hope rise in that situation.
1: Father, we just thank you. And God, I just, right now, even now, Lord, I just see parties in the church as prodigals are returning God Lord celebrations that are being paid for by the extra money we have for not having to go to the doctor quite so much and buy that prescription God I just thank you Lord for the smiling faces that we're seeing as people are loving one another and people are growing in the relationship with you the excitement as we share more and more revelation that Holy Spirit is revealing as we dive deep into your word God, allow uh, I thank you that our imaginations can continue to partner with you and see these things, God. People excited, people happy, families un- reunited, God. Lord, message being proclaimed like never before, not just being concerned about church, God, but people focused on your kingdom, Lord, and at the center of all, worshiping the King of kings. God, we thank you. Help us to never lose this focus, God. Help us, like, no matter what we're facing, God, we can find victory. God, we thank you for the victory that we're all experiencing, God. We believe that we receive right now. And, Lord, we declare it done. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at SapoonaRoadChurch.com. If you're local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our Connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.